Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. As we begin this morning, I want to ask you a question. What does a model church look like? You know, so many times when we think of a model church, we think of the physical structure. We think about how big is the building? How beautiful is it on the outside? What's it look like on the inside? What do they have to offer to me? But we're going to, we're going to see this morning that it goes so much deeper than that. I also want to ask a question at the same time. What does a model church member look like? And you know, the answer to both of those questions are things that we don't have to debate. It's not things that we have to wonder about. We can look in the passage that we're going to be uh, taking a look at this morning. First Thessalonians chapter one verses one through 10, the entire chapter, and we're going to be able to see a biblical example of what a model church looks like as well as what a model church member looks like. And typically, at the very beginning when I preach, I always read the entire text uh, from beginning to the end, but in an attempt to save time this morning, although there's just 10 verses, there is a lot in these 10 verses this morning. So I am not going to be reading the text in its entirety at the beginning. However, I encourage you to follow along. We're going to have the the scripture as we go through it verse by verse on the screen this morning. But I want to start with a quote because you are going to see when we uh, actually get into the scripture pretty, pretty quick from the beginning, we're going to be talking about two topics, faith and work. And so often that confuses people. So often that is confusing to people. So I want to start with a quote from Martin Luther this morning where he says, It is impossible to separate works from faith, just as impossible as to separate burning and shining from fire. So think about that for just a minute. It is impossible to separate works from faith, just as impossible as it is to separate burning and shining from fire. Now, if you were looking at a bonfire right now, you could say it's shining, you would say it's burning, but you can't say, okay, that part is shining This part over here is burning. They're doing both at the same time. So we're going to see this morning as we look at the text that works are a result of our faith in Jesus Christ. Works are a result. And I want to just address this at the very beginning. So many people are confused about exactly what works do and how they fit into salvation. And I just want to tell you right now, it is not humanly possible for you to do enough good works to ever get to heaven. And if that's how you're trying to get there, you've got it all wrong. It is not possible to do enough good works to get to heaven. So as we start drilling through these verses one by one, these 10 verses, we're going to start with verse number one. And we're going to see at the very beginning, there's three names listed, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. And I want to tell you, sometimes that second word throws people off. We're talking about Silas here. We're talking about Paul, Silas, and Timothy. In fact, some of your translations may even say Paul, Silas, and Timothy. But when letters were written, 
in this time frame, they were they began like this. Whoever was writing the letter, their names were identified at the very beginning. So that's why we see these three names listed here. And then what follows that colon is who it's addressed to. So this church is addressed to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to ask a question this morning. Why would this possibly be significant? Why would it be significant? This is, this is addressed to a church, and it tells the location of it, but it also says, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's because the church has both a physical and a spiritual location. The church has both a physical and a spiritual location. And I'm going to tell you, if you could take me to the church building that you believe is the most beautiful church in the world, what I can tell you with certainty, apart from God the Father, apart from Jesus Christ, and apart from the Holy Spirit being there, it is nothing but a building. Nothing but a building or perhaps a country club. It's one of those two things. It doesn't matter how pretty the church looks unless God the Father, unless Jesus Christ, and unless the Holy Spirit, it's there. It's nothing other than a building. And also, I want to address something to you about the physical location. So often, Brother Blake and I engage in conversations with people, typically outside the church, that we don't know and we ask them a question. So where do you go to church? Where do you go to church? And so often we hear the reply, I don't need to go to church. I can worship at home. I can worship at home. Now, I'm going to tell you, unless you have some physical limitation that prohibits you from going and gathering with a church who preaches and teaches the gospel, you're just given an excuse. I'm going to tell you the only people who will tell you that they can worship just as good as at home as they can in, in church are the people who are out of church. People who are connected to a body of believers and they are actively serving, they're never going to tell you that they can worship as well as home at home because they can't. And there's even scriptures that tells us the importance why we should be in church. So remember that the church has both a physical location and a physical location. And then I want to address this grace and peace that appears at the end of this particular verse. I want to make sure that we understand what we're talking about when we mention those terms. Grace is the unmerited favor of God upon which we are dependent. I wonder this morning, have any of you ever experienced God's grace? Yes, if you are a Christian, you have experienced God's grace. And should we be thankful? Absolutely, we should be thankful. We are so close to Thanksgiving Day, which I really believe should be every day of the year. But if grace, if God's grace is not near the top of your list of the things that you are thankful for, you need to reevaluate your list this morning. Now, peace is a statement that's related to our daily fellowship with God as well as our eternal standing. You know, sometimes we just need some peace in our life, don't we? Because this world will give you anything but peace. Sometimes the world will give us something that looks like peace and then it turns out to be something that is so far away from that. But see, we've got a conflict 
We've got to realize that sin introduced a conflict in our lives. But the good news is that conflict has been resolved through Jesus. Especially if you're a Christian, Jesus restores that broken relationship between us and God. And I want to I want to just talk about sin for just a few minutes. And I want to give you an example before I discuss this. This past Tuesday night, most most nights we get home at different times. And I was going to get home first. And so I go in the kitchen. I was going to be there about 45 minutes before anybody else would be there. I go in my kitchen and the garbage has turned completely over. I don't know how, but it had turned over. And practically everything nasty that could have come out of that garbage had. Now, if you know me very well, you know I love to cook. And you know I am very clean when I cook. And I believe that it is impossible to cook clean food unless you start with a clean kitchen. And that mess in the floor was repulsive to me. It absolutely was repulsive. There were unpopped popcorn kernels that were spread all over the tile floor. It looked like somebody had thrown them. There were coffee grounds that were out. You name it, pretty much it was there. And right on the top of it, to top it all off, a can of condensed milk had been opened. And you know how some stays in? It's hard to scrape condensed milk out. It had dripped over the top of all that. It was a mess with a capital M. And as I was down there on my hands and knees trying to clean that up, I thought, I am so upset that this is like this. I mean, I don't know how it happened. For some reason, that turned over during the day while nobody was there. But the Holy Spirit whispered to me in that moment, imagine how Jesus feels about the sin in your life. If you think this trash on this floor has caused a mess, imagine what the sin in your life looks like and feels like to Jesus Christ who gave his life for you. So I wonder this morning, do we take sin in our lives seriously? Do we realize that sin causes a broken relationship? And do we realize that the answer is Jesus Christ? Now, throughout the sermon this morning, I'm going to be leaving you with four takeaways. And we're at takeaway number one. Takeaway number one is a church without the presence of God the Father and Jesus is nothing other than a building or perhaps a country club. So moving on to verses 2 and 3. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of God, of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So how would you like to have some people praying for you, like these people that are described in verse 2? Paul, Silas, and Timothy are telling the members of this church, we always thank God for all of you. Making mention of you constantly in our prayers. It doesn't say we sometimes thank God for some of you. It says we always thank God for all of you. How how would that make you feel knowing that there is somebody going to the Father on your behalf that takes prayer that seriously that is praying for you daily, making mention of you constantly in their prayers? 
One of the things, you know, I think it's interesting to look at, you know, perhaps they didn't always have 100% agreement with these people. Maybe they disagreed on certain things. They still prayed for them. And, you know, I think we need to set that example because there are not going to be 100% of the time that we agree on everything. But we've got to be able to disagree in love and still pray for each other. We've got to set that example for a community that's looking, for a world that is looking at us. And then I want to talk about faith and works for just a minute because this particular verse talks about your work that is produced by faith. And remember, I showed the visual of that fire at the beginning with the quote of Martin Luther. It says, it's, it's impossible to separate the burning from the shining, just like it's impossible to separate faith and works. James 2.26 says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So when we do something for somebody, when we do a work, why do we do it? Why do we do it? Do we take a meal to somebody because we want them to brag on how well we can cook? On how much better what you took is, was than what somebody else took? If you're not careful, you can fall into that trap. It's easy to fall in that trap. Do you ever fall in the trap of, I really don't want to serve, but they, they expect me to? What will it look like if I don't? Or maybe you've even fallen into the trap of serving only because you want to be seen serving. You've got to be careful and check your faith in those moments. Remember, God's Word tells us faith without works is dead. And then we talk about your labor motivated by love. This is so closely tied together. But the type of love we're talking about here is agape love, which means unselfish, sacrificial, living for other people. Is that the type of love that marks your life? Is that the type of love that people would use to describe you when they are talking about you outside of this place? Now, endurance inspired by hope. This last phrase in this particular verse. This means it's endurance no matter the obstacles. We realize that the enemy's going to throw obstacles in our way, right? Things don't go perfect hardly ever. Hardly ever. And we've had such a display of this this morning. If you don't know it, it's a miracle that the screen's on behind me right now. A miracle that the screen is on. If you ever want to know one of the top places that the enemy works in a church, it's through technology. He will cause it not to work. He will cause the sound system to turn off. He will cause screens not to work. But we have obstacles that are thrown in our way. You're going to have obstacles when you leave this building today. You're going to have obstacles when you go to work tomorrow. What will your endurance look like? Will it be endurance no matter the obstacles? Because I want to tell you, hope always looks forward, never back. It looks forward Beyond the presence, beyond the present. And I want to tell you that when we are talking about our, our walk with Jesus Christ, when we are talking about faith and works, when we are talking about labor motivated by love, we are talking about a marathon. 
We are not talking about a sprint. You've got to look forward, never back. So takeaway number two, we've just seen a biblical visual of what a church member should look like. Their lives have been transformed. Transformed. Has your life been transformed this morning? Because I'm going to tell you, if you've got to the place that many people in the world are today, there's so many people that are suddenly comfortable with sin in their life. Because everybody else is doing it. Must be okay. No, it's not okay. And I'll just boldly tell you this morning, if you're comfortable with sin in your life, your life has not been transformed. Period. Exclamation point. If you are comfortable with sin in your life and you do not feel the convicting power of Jesus Christ in your heart, your life has not been transformed by Jesus. These church members, their faith in Jesus led to works. Their labor was motivated by love. And their endurance was inspired by hope. In Jesus. I wonder, does that describe me this morning as a church member? Does it describe you? Does it describe you this morning as a church member? Verses 4 and 5. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit with and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. Now, Just to emphasize this phrase, He has chosen you. There are various scripture passages that I could take you to that would emphasize that. But as I was working through this message um, earlier this week, the Lord said, what I want you to do to emphasize that I have chosen you is not scripture for this day. It's a song instead. A song that we sing here frequently. I wonder, as we sing the songs here, do you pay attention to the words that you're singing? Because I'm going to tell you something. Brother Corey, he doesn't just choose a song to sing because he likes how it sounds. He doesn't just choose a song to sing today because he couldn't think of anything else. He prays over the songs that we sing here. He makes sure that the lyrics are fully supported by Scripture. And that is important There have been times that he struggled with songs that he'll reach out to Brother Blake and me and say, hey, would you look at the words of this song? See what you think about it. I'm struggling with this one. We have discussions like that. And you should thank God for a music minister like that that doesn't just sing songs, but instead sing songs that are supported by Scripture. So I want you to take just a brief look at this song. Who he says I am. This is just a part of it. Who the Son sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen. Not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I wonder this morning, do we believe that? Do we believe the words that we sing? I hope so. I hope so this morning. So now when we look at the, at verse five, 
the second verse in this particular passage. Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. I want to tell you this morning, the gospel always comes with power. Always, 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 the gospel comes with power. Look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. How does that make you feel this morning? To know that the Word of God does that. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, so many times, especially if I'm engaged in a conversation with somebody about sin, that that person might not want to give up in their life. Usually the conversation leads to, Brother Todd, you're not supposed to judge me. Now, we, that's another sermon in itself right there. I'll just tell you that. But let's just go forward for a minute. Jesus is going to judge us. And that is so much more severe than any judgment I could bring on your life. Jesus is going to judge each and every one of us. You know, sometimes people get really good at covering up things in their lives. We're not good enough to cover anything up from Jesus. We're not good enough. The things that you may be hiding from the world, the things that I might be hiding from the world, haven't been hidden from Jesus. They have not been hidden from Jesus. I wonder this morning, do we have unconfessed sin in our life? Again, the gospel always comes with power. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. Again, the gospel always comes with power. Takeaway number three is the gospel, the good news. That is literally how the word gospel translates. Good news is a vital part of God's plan. We must model the good news for everyone. We must model it. And we're going to be talking about that shortly. Ways that we can model it and how we are modeling it. What people are seeing when they look at us. Verse 6. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord. When in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. So I wonder, if somebody were imitating my life, What ultimately, or who ultimately, would they be imitating? If somebody were imitating your life, what would they be imitating? Who would they be following? I've got a really good friend that serves as a pastor at a church in Tennessee. And on his Facebook page, in in the area where you can describe yourself, he's got one simple statement. And it says, don't follow me, follow Christ. Don't follow me, follow Christ. The good news is, I know if you, if you did follow that man, you're going to be following Jesus because he does. But is that true of our lives? When people look at us, do they see that we're following Christ outside this building? Not just when we come here on Sundays and maybe Wednesdays. What do they see when they look at our lives outside 
of this building. We're going to be talking about that just a little bit more in just a moment. But I want to focus on the part of the verse that says, in spite of severe persecution, you welcome my message with joy from the Holy Spirit. Just to set the scene on what was happening here, Acts 17, 5 through 10, I don't have time to read it this morning, but I hope you'll jot it down and read it later. But here's what was happening. Paul and Silas's stay here was shorter than they planned due to a riot that broke out that the Jews had staged. People were being arrested. The community was shouting accusations. The government officials became uneasy. And then in the midst of that, Paul and Silas were able to escape to Berea. But you know what that church did? They followed Jesus anyway. They followed Jesus anyway. And not long ago when I preached, I think it might have been the last time I preached on a Sunday morning here, I talked about that I feel certain that if we live long enough, we are going to see persecution come to the church in the United States of America. We're going to see that coming. I see signs of it already. If we live enough, long enough, it's going to happen. So I wonder, if we start being arrested because we're a Christian, are we still going to follow Jesus or will it be easier to say, no, I, I really wasn't a Christian. I've changed my mind. Will we still follow Jesus if we, if we get arrested for it? What about when the community starts shouting accusations? Are we still going to follow Jesus? What about when government officials become uneasy? Are we still going to follow Jesus? This church did. We're talking about a model church this morning. We're talking about model church members this morning. This scripture supports that those people, they were true to following Jesus Christ. They were serious no matter what. They looked forward not back. They knew that anything they experienced right now was just moment, momentary compared to eternity. I wonder, when we go through trials here in our life, do we realize that in light of eternity, in view of eternity, it's, it's nothing more than the blink of an eye? Or do we dwell on, this has happened to me. Why did this happen to me? We've got to look forward not back, and we've got to serve Jesus anyway. And I want to remind you that many times suffering and joy come together. They are linked together. Look at John fifteen eighteen through 21. Jesus is saying here, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now remember, this is Jesus saying this. Is there anybody in here that believes that Jesus was not persecuted? Anybody in this building this morning that believes that Jesus was not persecuted? Jesus is saying, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name because they don't know the one who sent me. Verse 7. 
As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, example is the word that is translated in the CSB, the version that I am preaching out of today. But in some translations, that particular word is translated as a model. And what it signifies is how coins were made in this day and time. They would literally take a hammer with a, a mold that they would, they would um, hammer it down into, and then you saw the inscription on it, and then that became a model. You knew where you could use that coin. So I wonder, what type of examples, what type of models are we to people who are watching us on a daily basis. Verse 8, For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything. This is often referred to as the reputation model. Do you realize that you've got a reputation? You've got a reputation. This church, our church, Greensburg Baptist Church, has a reputation. This church that we're looking at in Scripture this morning had a reputation and a very good one. Their faith was going out. As a result, the Lord's message was going out. Sometimes it was even being carried by non-believers. Can you believe that? That the Lord's message would be carried by somebody who doesn't even believe in Christ. You might be wondering, how does that happen? I can tell you how it happens even today. I realize that some of you work in factories. Some of you work in the school system. Some of you work in health care. Some of you work in banks. Some of you work in various other places. But the point that I'm getting at, you spend a lot of time with other people. You probably spend a lot of time with unbelievers. So what's it look like if you are working in a factory and at least five days a week, eight hours a day, you are standing by a non-believer, and they see how you react when things don't go right. Not just once, but over and over and over again. What's it look like if you're a teacher, and when you walk inside the teacher's lounge, you hear things that I don't, you just don't want to participate in, but you represent Christ. You don't just do it once, you do it over and over and over again. What's it look like to the people that don't know Jesus? I could almost guarantee you that conversations like this is happening. I don't believe in that man named Jesus. But the person I work with obviously does. They don't act like me. When things go wrong, they respond differently. There must be something to Jesus. Do you realize people are watching us as we live our lives? We spend way more time outside this building than we do inside it. That's our mission field, not necessarily inside the church. Our mission field is outside the church, and we've got to be careful that we constantly point people to Christ and to the church. I wonder what type of reputation do we have. Verses 9 and 10 says, For they themselves report what kind of reception... We had from you how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath by observing these believers, the gospel was on display in their life. We can tell that conversion had happened. They turned to God 
from idols to serve the living and true God. Can you imagine that that probably got some attention in that day and time to see that those people not only said that they were going to turn from their idols to serve the living and true God, they actually did it. They actually did it, and it was worth it. And then when we're talking about the future, they are waiting for His Son from heaven. The basis here, they know that Christ has been raised from the dead. And then we can, we can observe in this passage and from looking at these people that they knew that judgment was coming. Because they acknowledged that Jesus rescues from the coming wrath. Now there are so many people today that they have no trouble at all believing in heaven, but they want nothing to do with, with hell. They want nothing to do with it. But I just want to ask a really simple question this morning. If hell were not real, why did Jesus have to die? If hell were not real, why did Jesus have to die? There would have been no reason for Jesus to have died. Judgment is very real. Hell is very real. So takeaway number four, the gospel is transformative. The gospel is transformative. And as I said earlier, if we're comfortable with sin staying in our lives and we let it stay there, or if we keep doing the same sinful action over and over and over again, folks, our lives haven't, have not been transformed by Jesus. The gospel is transformative. And it's a complete transformation. You know what Jesus does? He doesn't do halfway. He doesn't do halfway. When he healed the blind person that we read about in the Bible, he just didn't, he did not just heal one eye, did he? He healed both eyes. And I believe that person had at least as good as 2020 vision. Jesus doesn't do anything halfway. When he raised people from the dead, it wasn't just one part of their body. He didn't just cause them to wake up, they could walk. They could interact just like they had never died. He doesn't do anything halfway. And He will not transform you halfway either. He will not. He will not transform us halfway. So what are some practical applications as we as we look to wind down this morning? First of all, be a member of a local church and get connected and care for other believers. This will allow your faith to grow. This will allow you to serve and your faith will grow as well. Commit to tell others about Christ often and depend on Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, there is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is, po- there is power in the name of Jesus. Believe that when you walk through that door to share. Believe that when you knock on the door. Don't just knock on the door and hope they don't answer it. I don't know if anybody's ever been in that situation or not. But have you ever been door-to-door? You showed up for door-to-door. And as you're actually knocking on doors, you're secretly praying, Lord, please don't let them come. Please don't let them open the door. Then I can just leave this door hanger and not have to say a word. Believe that there is power in the name of Jesus. Believe that. Pray that those doors will open. Commit yourself to spiritual growth 
and a close relationship with Christ. Yes, Jesus will meet you where you are, but He's not going to leave you there. He is not going to leave you there. He wants you to grow. He wants your relationship to grow closer each and every day. When persecution comes, view it through the lens of spending eternity with Jesus Christ. And folks, that's only going to happen if His blood has covered you. That's the only way that you're going to be able to spend eternity with Jesus. And finally, be known by your love for God and for others. Be known by your love for God and for others. What's Jesus say? They, they will know you. Why? why? Why does Jesus say that they will know us? Because of the love that we have, Right? So we've got to display that. We cannot keep that concealed. When we get in arguments with people, we, we've got to know how to argue the right way. We cannot blow up and pretend that everything's okay. Sometimes people don't agree with each other, but we've got to be able to disagree and love. And I would never, ever, please, don't, please do not misunderstand me, never compromise on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never compromise on anything that is in the Bible. But even with people who disagree with me about the Bible, I can still disagree with them in love. I will never, ever win a non-believer if I don't love them. I'm not, it, just, it just will not happen. They need to see that we can display love. So as I close this morning, I want to put the visual back up on the screen that I had at the beginning, and it's going to be hard for you to, to see it the way the, discreet, the screen is displaying this morning. But what I wanted you to be able to see about this visual, that when we're talking about what the model church looks like, in between these four pictures of churches, there's really a cross there. You probably, I'm not sure you can see it on the screen right now, but there's a cross that's separating those four pictures of churches. That's got to be one of the crucial components in any church that preaches and teaches Jesus Christ. The cross has got to be preached. The cross has got to be taught. In your daily life, people have got to be able to see the cross. People have got to be able to see the power of the cross in Jesus Christ. So, the model church, what's it look like? We've got the perfect visual representation from scripture this morning does it look like us or do we have some work to do what about in our personal lives do we look like those people at this church in in, uh, the Thessalonican church or do we have some work to do would people describe us like that perhaps you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior please don't leave this building today without making that decision Brother Blake and I will be happy to talk to you. Others would be happy to talk to you. We want to tell you who Jesus is. We want to see you make the commitment to follow him. Maybe there's people here that are struggling with decisions in your life. Maybe you need to come pray and ask Jesus for wisdom. We need to do that every day. I pray this altar will be full. Maybe there's some of you that have been visiting and you know that you would like to unite and move your membership here to Greensburg Baptist Church, we would love to talk to you about that. Come forward and let us know 
But I pray that if you have a decision, if God is knocking at your heart's door this morning, please don't leave this place without settling that matter. You might not get home today. You might not. Young people die all the time. Old people die all the time. People in between young and old die all the time. Don't take it for granted. Well, I can do that the next time I come back. You might not have that opportunity. Somebody this morning is now in eternity that didn't believe last night they'd be there today. But they are anyway. You know, we can make the most well-defined plans for our lives as humanly possible. But we know who's in control of the day that we're born and the day that we die. And I wonder, are you ready to stand before him if today was the day? Would you, would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for your word that is true. Father, I thank you just for being able to see what a model church truly looks like, what a model church member truly looks like. And Father, I pray that we will be like those people. I pray that when people are watching our lives, Lord, I pray that they, what they really see is you. Father, I pray that you will move throughout this congregation in a mighty way during this time of invitation. Father, I pray that you will save and set people free this morning. Lord, I just pray that we will simply see the Holy Spirit fall upon this place. And I pray that you will be glorified. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.